Kevin Pankhurst, who am I? Wow. (laughs) I've been off work for about a week now, and um, (laughs) my brain has apparently stopped functioning. Gone to mush. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm Kevin Pankhurst. And I'm Donna Carter. And this is Girl on the Go. (laughs) There we go. Carry on. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I had been married just like, I don't know, maybe a month when I started my first interior design job. And um, I was on the phone ordering something or whatever. And I said, this is Donna Lowen, which that's my maiden name. And everyone in the office just turned and looked at me like, what? Do you know your name? Yeah. (laughs) But it was so new. But this is not that new for you. So I still haven't legally changed it. Not because I don't plan on it, but because it is a giant pain in the butt. And then at work, I was still, well, I was Kaya Carter. Um, and, and so my Kaya, face, because there was another Kevin. Yeah. There were my, our CEO is named Kevin. Um, and, and at so, the time the company was small enough that that was, we weird. were like all in the same room. So yeah, yeah now there's like well over a hundred people. <laughs> it's super weird that I changed my name. Um, cause there are like 12,000 Kates there now, but, um, yeah, and it's impressive since there's only 100 yeah. people. Well, and I'm <laughs> I'm kind of generally not I I left that job a couple weeks ago. Um so I'm I'm not working for a little bit. Um I'm just doing a little bit of freelance work here and there. Oh, good. Yeah. Um but as a result, I'm kind of just not Kaya anymore. Right. Which is weird and also kind of sad and hard because that's Mm. how a lot of people I was Kaya more often than I was Kevin for a long time right and um, for five years and so it's kind of it kind of feels like a piece of me died a little Mm. bit and it's very sad Um, but anyway now I have even more of a crisis somehow when I have to introduce myself (laughs) because I'm like I actually don't but that wasn't the part of the name you struggled with. I know, but I the, the problem is there's combinations. There's oh. Kevin Carter, Kevin Pankhurst, Kaya Carter, Kaya Pankhurst, and then Kaya March, which hasn't been in use for several years. But even so, um, sort of a stage name. That was a wrestling name, yeah, yeah ring name. Um, so my cousins, um, Chuck and Carrie Hayes, yeah. are screenwriters in California. And they've had some big movies. You would know some of them listeners I, I was gonna say I mean, I, mean I do yeah I, I, yeah I own several of them anyway um you're when, creaking an awful I'm lot sorry. is that your surgical shoe or your belt no, or belt. oh okay <laughs> apparently there's a little too much strain on my belt <laughs> no I think it's I'll that it has that. extra it has extra o-rings or something <laughs> and so it's making quite a bit of noise okay. I just wanted to acknowledge that so people didn't think we were on a ship or something <laughs> anyway my cousins um before they started writing they were acting a little bit and they when they registered with the Screen Actors Guild there was already a Chuck Hayes. Mm-hmm. And so he had to choose another name. So he chose Chad. It's weird that he didn't go with Charles because isn't Chuck short for Charles? It is, but there might have been other Charleses. Mm. I don't know. Or maybe he just doesn't like Charles. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's so weird when I go to visit him because most people call him Chad. Yeah, it doesn't like his twin calls him Chad now, right? It probably depends where they are. Yeah, fair. 
Yeah. So I feel was, like I remember him calling Chuck Chad. Yeah, he may have. And but for me, that's just strange. But anyway, that's completely irrelevant. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it was relevant to what I was saying. Okay. Here's one of my famous segues. Okay, great. I can't wait. So we're going to talk about what is known as but is a misnomer. It's known as the Lord's Prayer. Okay. It's not really the Lord's Prayer. It's the Disciples Prayer. Oh. Yeah. But it's often called the Lord's Prayer. The Lord taught it to the disciples. It's really a template, though. It is. It's not even a complete prayer. I know. We're going to talk about that. But the, the Lord's Prayer, more accurately, is in John 17, where he was talking to the Father, and somebody obviously was eavesdropping, <laughs> um, about um, how, you know, he, really, it was for his disciples, primarily. Mm. Yeah, so that is technically the Lord's Prayer. Um, the one that we're looking at in Matthew 6 um, is actually the Disciples' Prayer. So hmm, there's my segue. Are you impressed? I'm very impressed. You okay. made it work. Okay, good. Seven years in, we're starting to get good at this. <laughs> Anyhow, um, so when Jesus taught the Lord's Prayer... He didn't intend, well, how did you just describe it? You said it a was template. like a template. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. So he didn't intend for us as his disciples all these years later, or any of his disciples, to just pray the same prayer over and over again. <laughs> that was not the point of it. Especially because it's not specific to what you're dealing with. It's very, it's, it's truly very generic. Yeah, it's very general. And I like to think of it as like when you have um, a file, you know, on your computer, you, you have a filing system. Mm -hmm. And so each line of the prayer is kind of like a file folder. Mm -hmm. And everything, you know, that folder would contain a lot of documents mm -hmm. that represented a lot of different things, right? And I think that's really what every line of this prayer is meant to be. Or it's like a math or I guess like chem formula um like every every variable stands for a value like x mm. stands for something or like i'm trying to think back like mass that that'd be one of your things and and you just have like mass in there physics, not chem but yeah, yeah that one is but there's yeah anyway um, so we've got it it's a formula a template and a filing system yeah pick your pick you know what it's not metaphor. a full a full, complete, personalized prayer. Well, and the reason we know that is right in this, in the passage in Matthew 6, uh, right before he teaches the prayer, he tells um, people, he says this, he said, um, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward that they get. But when you pray, Go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. Then he goes on to say, and this is the relevant part to what we were just saying. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think, <laughs> they think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your Which, hello. Sorry. For your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Mm -hmm. Pray like this mm -hmm. so he's not saying repeat this over and over he literally said don't just say don't the same thing over and over, again. over and over it's like we're supposed to have a relationship with god and so it would be like every time i saw you we had exactly the same conversation right. and then i said okay bye and left like that's not a relationship <laughs> and then that's just, what i have with like the greeter at walmart right and you could just text me and say 
Yeah, what I said. <laughs> yeah, that last thing. Yeah, <laughs> that last time. Yeah, so it's not meant to be that. Okay, so having said that, and with my belt still creaking, maybe I should hang on to it. Maybe that'll help. <laughs> um, <laughs> in case it gets away from you. <laughs> it seems to be wanting to. Um, so the first uh, line in the prayer is, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. That is, by the way, in the New Living Translation. Okay. A lot of people are familiar with Hallowed be thy name or hallowed be thy name but what on earth does that mean it means may your name be kept holy so really in the in the bible um your name is your reputation that's why we often we pray we pray in jesus name we're praying in his reputation and his authority that's why um you know we praise jesus name what does that mean we're praying it's it, the name is a sort of representative of the whole person. Yeah. Yeah. And it's their reputation. So when we're talking about God's name here, our father's name, what we're saying is it's our job to represent our father. Well, mm-hmm. like he's not going to mess up his name, yeah. his reputation, <laughs> right? That's our job. <laughs> well, it's our, it's our not it's, job. It's our not job, but it's, it's what we do. And so what we're praying is it's our job to represent the father well and to wear his name well, to make him famous. Mm-hmm. So what we're saying when we pray, may your name be kept holy, we're praying that his followers will not give him a bad reputation or dishonor him in front of other people. So there's a lot of different avenues you could take that prayer. You know, Mm -hmm. I think of some of what's going on. I just read this this interview, I guess, this video about uh, Lauren Daigle and how vicious Christians have been in criticizing her for things like just appearing on the Ellen DeGeneres show. Um, Well, because she's No, I I don't know who this is, though. Lauren Daigle? Oh, she's got a lot of fabulous, fabulous songs in in Christian radio. And she's actually even bridged to secular radio because she's so popular. Jesus only Mm -hmm. ever hung out with flawless, sinless people. So I can understand why they're so upset. Okay, that was sarcasm, people, in case you missed that. But I know, right? (laughs) Have you read your Bible? You're missing so many things. Uh, So many things. (laughs) And 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 that's coming from me, not the most biblically studied person in the world. (laughs) I just think that people who do that, who decide they're going to be judge and jury on every other Christian's behavior are damaging the name of our father. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of different avenues we could go. And when we look at our own lives, what am I doing or saying in the world that damages my father's reputation? Mm -hmm. So that's what that line is all about. Um, In the first century, as I mentioned, a son, well, maybe I didn't mention it, but a son represents his father. Okay. Yeah. Um, so when you think about the parable of the prodigal son, the son comes home having mm-hmm. blown his father's money, basically having said, I wish you were dead yeah. to his father. And what does the father do? He, he, he clothes him, he prepares a feast and he puts a ring on his finger. He runs out to see him. And I don't think he was, he was a like, wealthy man of high class who probably didn't do a lot of exercise well no and was kind of old i think it completely um inappropriate in first century culture for an older man to run yeah but he was so anxious to get his arms around his son and here 
I was um, trying to bring up the point. He put a ring on his finger. We know mm -hmm. from other stuff in the Bible that that would have been a signet ring. Yeah. That would have been saying your, um, your word as my son is my word because mm -hmm. you have my ring. Yeah. So that's kind of one of the ideas we need to think about. There's another parable um, where um, of, uh, a landowner sends, um, he's got tenant farmers on this vineyard, and he sends servants to collect what's owed to him. And the servants decide, or the, the tenants decide they want this um, vineyard for themselves. So they kill, they kill the, the servant. And the, so the owner sends another servant and they kill him. And finally he says, okay, I will send my son. They won't, surely they'll respect my son because it's like me showing up there mm -hmm. myself. They end up killing him too. And Jesus uses that as a illustration for how the prophets were killed. And then Jesus himself he was, was going to be killed. Yeah. But it gives it further um, um, credence to this idea that the son represented the father. So when we pray that first part of the Lord's prayer, the disciples prayer, we need to realize that we're not, we're not just saying words that don't mean anything. We're praying for our ability to not discredit our father because mm -hmm. of the way that we live, because we represent him. And then the next part says, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think it's important to look at the word kingdom. Like, what does that mean? Well, it's the word king plus the prefix dom suffix dom no prefix it's on the front dominion well in this case it's it's in the end we're putting it on the end of king so in this case it's a suffix okay let's go with that <laughs> um yeah so kingdom is the dominion of the king basically yep. whatever is in his control so when jesus came it's like he set up an outpost for heaven on earth that kingdom starts in us. It begins to change us. Um, Jesus said the kingdom, the kingdom is within you. It's, it changes us, but then it grows outward and it, it infiltrates our circle of influence. That's the whole idea of being salt and being light. It's influence, influencing the people who are around us, influencing our world. It's allowing God to have kingdom, the dominion over us and in the world. So what are some ways would you say that um, are things that God wants to have his way in? Like what is his way? Oh, that's such a big question. Um, just like the way we represent him and the way we love each other, like we're his, we're his children and to see one child damage another would be really hard. Yeah. So you're talking about the whole area of peace and justice. Yeah. 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 Um, he wants everyone to know him. Mm -hmm. He isn't willing for anyone to perish is another verse. Don't ask me where it's from. Right. I unfortunately don't know at this moment, but he wants everyone to be saved. Um, he wants his goodness to be known and experienced by everyone. These are ways that his kingdom can come and his will be done um, on earth as it is in heaven. 
And then there's the line that says, give us today the food we need. What do you suppose that represents? Um, so, okay. My theory is that it it's twofold. It's like, okay, now is a time where you can ask for what you need. Because this is also, yet another thing, order of operations. Here's the order in which you should address things ah. with God. Um, oh, that's good. I didn't think of that. Uh, there's another There's another kind of strategy for that called Asipa that I can go over later if we have time. Um, but um, so to me, it's it's an indicator of like, okay, now now you can petition. Now you can now is the time that you ask for things. Well, but also because you've established, you know, you've you've worshipped God. You've yeah. established His what He's right capable of. Yeah, and His right to reign over yeah. the earth. Okay. Um, and then um, it, it's interesting and I think relevant that it's a, it's not like, please feed me for the rest of my life. No, no. It's please give me what I need to get through today. Mm-hmm. And and basically asking us, asking us to ask God to to help us be present and and rely on him for what we need as we need it. Mm-hmm. And, and basically nothing more. I think that's right. I think it's, um, you know, what are some of the things we need to get through the day? Sometimes it's strength. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got a huge day or something that's really hard and we need strength. Sometimes it's hope and joy when we're feeling, you know, low. Um, patience. You know, maybe we've got some really difficult relationships mm-hmm. that we've got to deal with. Um, could be wisdom. We've got decisions to make. And also physical things like food, like healthcare, like, you know, whatever, whatever we need. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I like what you said about giving us what we need for today, because that implies trust, mm-hmm. right? That what we need tomorrow will be there. Yeah. And and that harkens back to, harkens, that's not a word I say every day, um, <laughs> to Jesus' teaching about, you know, the birds don't sweat what they're going to eat tomorrow. Mm-hmm. They know their Heavenly Father will feed them. And the lilies don't fuss about what they're going to wear tomorrow, right? Primarily so, because they didn't <laughs> they didn't bring sin into the world and suddenly become aware of their nakedness. Right. But, yeah. Know. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Yeah. So, um God wants us to trust him to give us what we need for today mm-hmm. and to not be living in the moment. He wants us to live in the moment and not be living in tomorrow and mm-hmm. fussing and fuming about things that that we don't need to be. In verse 12, it says, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sinned against us. What What is your take on that? I think, again, this is a... This is a it's 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 instructional Um, because like I couldn't say like, please forgive me as I have forgiven everyone in my life the way I should, even when I'm right, because I haven't. Um, I I think forgiveness is often an ongoing process. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't know very many people who are in complete like living complete forgiveness all the time. Um, I think there are people and I, I think this is my position that I'm in a place where if I have not completed the process of forgiving someone, I am in that process. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it is a it is a choice and it's ongoing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's one of the things that make it so clear to me that it is instructive. It is a reminder that like, as you're asking for God's forgiveness, which he will give to you freely, remember that he gives everyone his forgiveness 
freely, who are you to not forgive others? It's basically a reminder that like, yeah. And where's your like, heart at basically. And I think the word as yeah. forgive as we've been forgiven um, as quickly as mm-hmm. not that, not that the process you've mentioned, it's a process. And sometimes that takes a while to yeah. work through, but making the choice, but making the choice, yeah. right. Being willing, being willing to be willing at the yeah. very least. Yeah. 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 That and, doesn't mean it doesn't hurt like ever again. No, for it sure. may hurt forever, mm-hmm. but you make the choice despite the hurt. Well, and I do think that forgiveness is part of what heals us from hurting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so as quickly as, also as completely as. Yeah. Right? And again, process. Um, Alexander Pope said, to err is human, to forgive divine. Mm-hmm. And I really do think we need the work of God in us yeah. to enable us to forgive. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a really interesting um, parable that Jesus taught that I think um, really informs this passage. It's in Matthew 18, 21 to 25. Would you mind? Sure. Moment. Okay. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone? Okay. Just let me interject there. So it's not (laughs) only as quickly as, and as completely as it's as often as. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. I love that he comes out with seven times. Uh, <laughs> and that was thought to be really generous because that was seven more... like a bunch. To be fair, yeah, it's not like fool me once, shame on you. Fool me seven times, shame on me. Like it's <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, uh, seven times. No, not seven times. Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. And I don't think he I don't even want to do 400. It's a bunch. And I, yeah, I don't think it meant 490 times. I think it meant, no, no, just keep on for a whole bunch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Therefore the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him in the process. One of his debtors who was hmm, reading is difficult Um, (laughs) in the process. One of his, debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars he couldn't pay so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife his children and everything he owed to owned to pay the debt but the man fell down before his master and begged him please be patient with me and i will pay it all then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt but when the man left the king he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars he grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay for it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt, which torture isn't particularly um, lucrative, I find. So it would take a really long time. (laughs) Anyway, um, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. So I think this is often, this passage is often misunderstood. It's like, God's going to be really mean to us if we're mean to other people. The problem here is that if we are forgiven and we're not willing to forgive someone else, we don't grasp grace. Mm -hmm. 
Our problem is that we don't really understand the way forgiveness works. We don't feel forgiven because if we know we're forgiven, if we really get God's grace, then we are going to be changed by that, Mm -hmm. radically changed by that. And how can we, I think we then live life with the idea, how can I possibly hold something against someone else when God has, he knows every ugly, evil thing I've thought or done, and he has so generously forgiven me. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it, forgiving as we've been forgiven has to do with really grasping the grace of God. So moving on to... um 13 verse 13 don't let us yield to temptation but rescue us from the evil one so i wanted to understand what temptation really meant it it means in this passage either being enticed to sin or tested in trial Mm. right so there's the enjoy things that are enjoyable to us being enticed to sin or at least we think they're going to be enjoyable which is why it's easy to tempt us or the really hard things to be tested in trial. And it's actually better translated, lead us away from temptation or testing. Mm. Because God never tempts us. In um, in James um, 1, chapter, uh, verses 13 and 14. Do you want to read that for us? Do you have that there? Uh, let me look at my notes mm. that you have provided to me. It's okay. I'll go. I got it. Uh, I do. Okay. And remember when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. Mm-hmm. And often Satan, the evil one, um, uses our desires to mm-hmm. um, to tempt us as well. Um and and 1 Corinthians 10:13 says the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. Mm-hmm. When you're tempted, he'll show you a way out so that you can endure. And I think this is um so interesting because Jesus also prayed to be spared trials and temptation. Can you read that in um, Matthew 26, 39? I can. I want you to know that these verses you've given me are out of order. No, no, they're not. Uh, I lied. He went on a little further and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Okay, so it's okay to pray to be spared temptation. Jesus did it. But when the answer to that prayer to be spared temptation may be that we're actually spared, that temptation or trial never comes. It may be that he provides a way of escape, Mm -hmm. like I just read in the 1 Corinthians 10, 13 passage. Or it may be that he, like he did with Jesus, gave him, gives us strength to endure. Yeah. Okay, so that's that part. Let's move on to um, deliver us from the evil one. Um, which I'm looking for right now. <laughs> oh, my notes. Um, yeah, deliver us. So uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us re- or rescue us, as the New Living says, from the evil one. Um, we need to recognize that if we know Jesus, we have the authority of Jesus. And I want to come full circle now to talking about 
the very beginning when we talked about the name of God, mm-hmm. that hallowed be your name or however, you know, honored be your name. Um, we have the authority as children of God, the same authority that our father has, the same authority that Jesus had. So when the evil one um, comes to us, because we carry his name, we can um, resist temptation. We can um, do what Jesus do, did and invoke the name of Jesus, but then also quote scripture to the enemy out loud um, to keep him from lying to us, accusing us and tempting us. Mm-hmm. The final line of the prayer that we say, although it's not included in this passage, is thine is the kingdom. And that was probably added um, to be part, make it part of common um, liturgy at the time. But I um, I hope that as you use um, this prayer as file drawers um, mm-hmm. to um, help form your prayers, um, that, that, that that will be a helpful trick for you. I'm Donna Carter. And I'm Kevin Pankhurst. And this and has been Grow on the Go. go. Thanks for listening to Grow on the Go. Share this episode on social media and find more great programs at faithstrongtoday.com.